This is KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 on the FM dial, krfp.org. I'm John Andercheck, and the show is Labor Lines. If you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean. They're crying across Dear friends, welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network series highlighting the work of our members. The growing network of over 70 shows in four countries serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. My name is Evan Papp, and I produce Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture, and we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with John Andercheck of Labor Lines. So, John, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what led you to organize labor. All right, Evan, thank you uh, for having me take part in this. I grew up in Chicago, uh, the very far northeast corner. uh, born in 1955, so the city was vibrant, strong, you know, second city. Uh, uh, Chicago then as now was uh, a union town. Uh, when I was a teenager, my heroes were the trades, the construction workers. Uh, I worked in downtown Chicago through my high school years, and it walked past one uh, operation after the other, one construction op- site after the other as this, uh, all these towers rose. Uh, but uh, instead of going into the trades, I followed a different path. I was part of that 1970s migration out of the city. Uh, I got into natural resources. I ended up out west, as they say, um, into forestry. Uh, and while I did have a stint in management, uh, I gravitated towards what might be called the blue collar side of natural resources. I was a logger. I got into uh, wildland firefighting. Uh, what led me to really organize labor, like I said, you know, coming from Chicago, it always had that uh, spot, that blue collar town, Sandberg's uh, uh, city of broad shoulders. Um, but what got me uh, focusing on labor, uh, feeling connected to organized labor, really started uh, with um, as this country moved towards globalization. I was uh, firmly opposed to NAFTA, so what was happening uh, to uh, uh, where my folks came from, where my dad came from, uh, the industrial heartland, how it got deindustrialized. Uh, I followed the stories, the fights, the narratives that we saw uh, in the 80s with the rise of Thatcherism and Reaganism, identified with the struggle of the miners in the UK. Uh, and also on the other side, uh, the solidarity movement in Poland and the uh, uh, what really struck a chord because it happened literally at the same time uh, was Reagan and Patco, uh, the destruction of the professional air traffic uh, coordinators uh, union. Um, And could you talk a little bit about your, you said your father and and his experience in the heartland and some of his work as well. Could you talk a little bit about that as we were discussing before we began recording? Well, uh, well, uh, uh, Actually, it was my grandfather. My grandfather left uh, Slovakia, Czechoslovakia at the time. Actually, was born when it was the Austri- Austrian Empire. 
and he left after World War One. World War One, excuse me, ended up in that Ohio River Valley, uh, and found employment with so many Eastern and Central European immigrants uh, in the steel industry. Uh, he worked at Wharton Steel, uh, largest steel mill in the world at the time, is my understanding. Um, brought the family over. Uh, my dad actually, uh, as circumstances, historical circumstances. Um, take place. Uh, he ended up uh, leaving that area and going over to Europe during this event called World War II. Uh, so uh, we have that in our history, uh, Bronze Star recipient. Uh, and like so many vets came back home and said, man, I don't want any of this and headed for the big city of Chicago. And that's how we ended up in Chicago. But again, uh, the Andrzejczyk's, just the way we spell our name, uh, as I looked it up once, I have like 75 registered grave sites in Mahaglekia County, you know, around Pittsburgh. So uh, again, we have a lot of roots there. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, when we were young, they woke us up one night when we were traveling back that way and saw the blast furnaces going off in pitch black. I still remember that. Um, and so, yeah, there's that background there. Once again, you know, a family narrative uh, forms the social narrative. And we have connections in similar backgrounds with my father's side of the family coming over from Hungary in 1911, Ellis Island. And my mother's side of the family um, was a union guy uh, working in U.S. Steel, my, my grandfather on my, my mom's side. And uh, immigrant working class labor is uh, what built this country and it continues to build this country. Absolutely. And uh, uh, actually I did a stint in uh, the culinary arts and uh, there is a way of cooking a steak called Pittsburgh Blue. And it's, you can't cook it on a grill because you can't get it hot enough. You have to use a, a high quality pan and no oil. And you throw that piece of meat down once and you flip it over, throw it down again. And the story is that's how they would cook their steaks for lunch in those steel mills. And I think the Hungarians uh, get credit for that, Evan. I, I worked in a steakhouse one time too. I didn't, I had no idea that was the origin. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh blue. So you just threw it down, you know? So. so for those who may not be interested or aware of labor news, why do you think unions and organized labor are important and why do you cover it? Well, um, I cover labor. I come to labor now. Like I said, I identified with it. Uh, solidarity movement in uh, Poland uh, is a good example because it connects with my faith. Uh, I call myself a practicing Catholic, uh, the meaning being that uh, I'll practice and probably never get it right in my lifetime. Uh, but uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church of, uh, of unions being an indispensable uh, element of society, and those are the words of uh, now St. John Paul II, uh, when he wrote on the anniversary of the founding of uh, Catholic social teaching. Um, I believe that uh, unions are the most historic institution to uh, address what I consider probably the most fundamental uh, peril to society, and that is the deconstruction of the society uh, the hyper-individuality, hyper-individualism, the atomization of society. Uh, uh, unionism is basically synonymous with solidarity. And uh, in all times, I'm not going to say our times are the exceptional, but certainly in our time, um, 
solidarity is what's going to win this world for us. And, and unionism with all its flaws, um, again, is the most, one of the most powerful social institutions to address that. And so getting the news out about uh, labor, the labor movement, uh, to me is fundamental to follow those teachings. I really appreciate you mentioning your Catholic faith and background. I was raised Catholic. I haven't been practicing, so I, I guess I'm always trying to live to the teachings of what Jesus Christ uh, was was doing at that time. And I really appreciate this new Pope Francis because he's done a lot of uh, he's made a lot of statements in support of union. Uh, union labor and just labor in general and the dignity of humans and the dignity of everyone who is working. Um, and there, there is a civil war going on right now in the Catholic church. A lot of people aren't aware of it, but there are factions on the far right that do not like this Pope in the church. And I think all Catholics and, and people of, um, you know, good faith should really support Pope Francis in this struggle against some very reactionary, I, I would say almost proto-fascist elements within the Catholic Church that have been there for a very long time and uh, they are, uh, there's a war going on. So I just want to mention that. So, oh, please. Well, I, I, yeah, my wife and I, we say we're on uh, the Frank team. Uh, we, uh, we, I think, uh, um, again, being a religious person, uh, attempt to be spiritual. Uh, I think Francis came at our time, the times that we need him. And uh, I often quote an address he made uh, to uh, the Italian equivalent of the AFL-CIO, which I found in uh, my newspaper that I would get from my union, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, where he speaks of the role of unions and that uh, those of us in unions uh, fulfill only part of our mission by serving our members that our mission in organized labor is to serve all workers. And once again, um, unions are, to, are probably the strongest institution, along with faith uh, communities, to uh, stand as a bulk work uh, and address the fact that of all the dignity of all humans and the fact that work should not de debase that dignity. Well, John, could you talk a little bit about labor lines and how you bring these perspectives in? And what was the process with you starting the show? And some people may be interested in starting their own show. So could you talk a little bit about that process and, and what your show is about? Uh, sure. It was a, a matter of uh, circumstance, I guess. Uh, I'm a member of uh, a, a regional chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. And one of the fellow members, uh, is both a show host and producer and board member to KRFP out of Moscow, Idaho. And almost by chance, he just mentioned to me that the radio station takes uh, proposals about three times a year for shows. And I had been considering starting a Facebook group uh, that would serve as a bit of a clearinghouse for what was going on in the labor movement. I was impressed by the increase in the strike wave. Um, and such things. And so I wrote this proposal. I came up with labor lines like picket line. Um, I said it was gonna be music, news, commentary, maybe labor history. And uh, as the old expression goes, he could have knocked me over with a straw when I got a call from our great labor, uh, excuse me, station manager, Lee Robertos, saying that that 
that was a content that they wanted. They did a lot of music. They do a lot of, we, our station does uh, its own news production five days a week, uh, but it does a lot of music and all. And so uh, I started out with that. I did it with um, uh, news that I would glean from the internet. Uh, I was real slow with interviews. I throw out some music uh, via iPad. And then with COVID, I, uh, I, uh, transition to producing at home as we're sitting here now, like I said, my production room slash guest bedroom. Um, and I use Audacity software and uh, it, now the show, show mostly consists of interviews since it's, um, it's pre-recorded, uh, news gets to be less timely. I have less, I don't have, uh, I'm not reading news as much as interviews and music. Um, and then I just transitioned to podcasts thanks to, uh, 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 Labor Radio Network's Harold Phillips. He encouraged me to to uh, go into podcasts, and that's a real a real easy transition. A person can't get a venue on a radio station. Uh, there's podcasting out there for all of us, Evan. And I love uh, listening to your your podcast as well. I've done some edits for your podcast to bring it into the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, and some beautiful music uh, and, and conscious music that I, I really appreciate. And I, I do want to touch upon one story that uh, I listened to about the New York City restaurant workers, council organizers. And I've myself worked in many different restaurants and I'm, I, I actually love the culture and I love mm -hmm. the solidarity, usually with the workers. Uh, always there's tension between management and workers and restaurants mm -hmm. as well. And uh, there's also a, a huge um, discrepancy between the oftentimes undocumented workers mm -hmm. that are being taken advantage of to create a two-tier system. And I'm not sure if uh, you could just say a few words about that, that interview and just um, kind of that focus that you, you did in, in that program. Well, Evan, thanks for bringing that up. That was one of my most moving um, interviews uh, and a, a great juxtaposition. Here I am, uh, as the song used to go, my, my own private Idaho. And the interview had all that background noise of New York City. We had to stop for the sirens and this and that. It was my first bilingual. The one guest spoke only Spanish. Uh, the facilitator, Diago, uh, translated back and forth. Um, and I am very impressed by that group's commitment to building uh, a democratic independent unionism uh, for restaurant workers industry-wide. Uh, I call it the long march. You know, it's not the easy work, uh, it, it's, but I think it's absolutely necessary uh, because uh, to uh, build worker power. Uh, and I agree, I agree 100% about uh, the culture of uh, food service restaurant workers. It's. I think it's the pot, most popular front of the popular front of the workforce. It brings in people from everywhere. And my mother was a, a waitress, as we called it in Chicago, food server, all her uh, working life. And I could see, I look back and see how it really formed her. She was much more open. Uh, uh, I remember commenting on uh, the loving decision. If you recall, the loving decision that allowed that struck down laws that barred interracial marriage. And she was so used to working with people of, of all backgrounds, persuasions, races, uh, that she just uh, commented on how, how right that was. And so it, it is a great uh, popular front. It is a great place. Um, and there is yeah, a lot of tension and a lot of attitude in the, in the restaurant workplace. That's good. 
So talking a little bit about the Labor Radio Podcast Network, as a member of the network, could you talk about how you heard about it and why you think this network is important? Well, I'm not sure how I heard about it. Uh, I think I came across one of the founders, Harold Phillips. I think he joined, uh, I did eventually form that Facebook group I mentioned, Labor Lines, uh, and it's an open group. People can join easily. People can post easily. We do have some uh, guidelines, uh, but the overarching theme is that we're learning to talk to each other on social media, build worker solidarity. So I joined uh, I put in an application in effect to Labor Radio Network. Harold Phillips came right back to me, which impressed the heck out of me, uh, got me going on that. Um, as far as the importance of Labor Radio Network, um, again, the workplace is the ultimate united front for those of us who like to think that we are, in my case, I wanna be humble about this, trying to uh, move things forward for all workers. Uh, people go to work out of necessity. They might be doing a job they love or they might be doing a job they hate, but they bring in all their perspectives, all their subjective experiences. And um, and so uh, Labor Radio Network to me is kind of doing the same thing. It, it's like you say, 70 some um, uh, formats, platforms. Uh, a lot of them are uh, backed by unions. Some like mine are on a community sponsored radio. A station. Uh, and so we're bringing these different perspectives, uh, but it, it's a great unifying effort and a great way, again, the, 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 name, of the, the name is there, it's a network. Uh, it, so again, it's very important for people uh, to see this as a way of building solidarity to uh, finding out that uh, we have much more in common than we have uh, in opposition. And in closing, Looking into the future of organized labor, where do you see opportunity and hope? I see uh, opportunity uh, in um, the bargaining for common good movement that we're seeing. Uh, great examples would be the strike in uh, Los Angeles by uh, uh, the teachers union. I think it was still it was just this year uh, under their great leadership, uh, Alex Caputo Pearl. Uh, uh, Chicago Teachers Union, the same thing, where they where they're taking on the entire uh, 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 front workers' face, not just in their union members and wages uh, and benefits, but in housing, the cost of housing, the cost of housing of their constituency, the students. Uh, so impressed by how they organized um, the parents, uh, the community members, when you have 50,000 people show up on a rainy day in Los Angeles, the first day of the strike of the teachers down there. Uh, uh, Restaurant Workers Council, like we talked about before, uh, the movement to uh, uh, organize democratic independent unions. And, uh, and actually, I'll just throw this out. There is actually an organization called Bargaining for the Common Good, and you can find that on uh, the internet. And I've uh, actually interviewed uh, one of their uh, uh, lead uh, organizers, and I may I'll put that back up on the podcast. That was even even learner. Yes. Yeah, that that was a great great conversation, and I, I really appreciate the questions you're asking. And he, he's a fascinating guest, and I learned a lot, a tremendous amount listening to that. Uh, so, yes, even learner. So yeah, uh, my only caveat with hope is, um, I think you know we're we're uh, 
the top leadership of labor, organized labor, has yet to figure out a way out of this box of the two-party system. And um, and I know it's a tough one, you know, the, the opportunity to build a labor party in the United States at a national level is tough. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of leadership coming up from the bottom. John Endercheck of Labor Lines, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Same to you, Evan. Thank you so much. Thanks for this opportunity. And again, uh, urge you folks to check out Labor Radio Network and all the great shows on it. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they're willing to we all come to understand. None of us are free, none of us are free. Darkness, they just can't see the light if we don't.